0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Not A UX Designer. And in this episode, I will be talking about something slightly different, sort of like a series that I want to start on the future skills, you know, like what are the skills that we actually need in the future. I understand that there's a lot of AI happening. There's a lot of uh, things that are happening in the technological internet age that we're living in right now. And I wanted to start a series that talks about skills of the future that we might need or that I think that people should actually certainly have to be able to be successful in the future and I think one of the biggest things around that is remote working Uh, the reason why I think remote work is one one of the skills that is going to be very big in the future and not just being able to use Skype and talk to people um, abroad Um, But actually understand how to manage your time, how to self-manage, there's a lot more that happens uh, when people are trying to set up as remote workers or distributed team members. Um, on the line today, I have a great guy called Stefan and he will be, I will be talking to him, exploring, uh, remote work. Stefan has had a lot of experience in remote working. He currently coaches people around, uh, how to set up teams, how to be better at remote working. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, Stefan. Um, could you uh, tell me so. a little bit more about your yourself and and you know the work that you do within the the remote workspace?
1: Thanks for having me. Um, so what I do is uh, two things, basically. I work with individuals, um, mainly with um, entrepreneurs, freelancers who who work um, location independent, um, and with remote and distributed teams. Um, so I'm saying remote and distributed because um, you'll find. Well, I find that there are actually differences between, between the two. So you have, you have remote teams where most of the people are working um, in their own workspaces, so they, they don't have a company structure that uh, requires them to work from nine to five or that gives them an office space or anything, and you have distributed teams in, in bigger companies um, which is actually the reality of most people who work in bigger companies these days, where they are in an office, they go to the office every day, but their teammates are not in the same location. So they span various locations or, or various offices of that same company. And um, yeah, so those are the two things that I do. It's it's mostly about getting people out of um, a, a mindset that is usually um, characterized by, um, I'd say, fear—fear uh, fear of not being able to produce enough, fear of not being good enough, fear of losing my job to you know being outsourced somewhere—and trying to look at virtual work and and remote work. Uh, through the lens of what opportunities does that give me, what possibilities can I create for myself in my own career, for my business as an entrepreneur, or for my team as a team lead, for
0: example. Okay, great. So so as part of, um, of, of this new sort of like podcast series that I'm trying to to establish, uh, which basically talk, talks about uh, the skills of the future, um, I, I believe myself, honestly, that skills of the future is really, I mean, uh, remote work is a big part of, of how future organizations are going to be set up and how people mm-hmm. are going to work purely because of, you know, the sheer number of cars that are on the road today. Um, it's literally going to be impossible for everyone to be in the same location at the same time. And I think. Um, remote work is really a big part of how uh, we'll be working in the future. How do you see remote work playing out in the future and some of the benefits that companies can have from setting up remote teams? Mm -hmm.
1: So, as I was saying earlier, that difference between remote and distributed, distributed work is already reality, Um, so we don't really need to look in the future. Most companies are organized that way these days, unless they are very small and they're focusing on a local market. Um, I think what's happening, what's happening in the last couple of years more and more is that people are realizing that even though they allow people to work from different locations or they build teams across different locations, they're not getting the right talent. So one driver, I think of of remote work, so people not being attached to any, um, to any physical location of a company. Is really driven by the lack of talent in in the locations where I'm in. Um, so um, you can see that a lot in the uh, in the programming software development space, um, where um, the best programmers can just say, "No, I don't want to work in your location. If you want to work with me, I'll be I'll be remote." Um, you see it a lot in a move of a lot of people going uh, freelance because they want to just have freedom in living wherever they want to live and um, and some degree also time freedom. So a lot of what's called the gig economy, I think, is driving some of that as well, um, which is by necessity for some people, because they don't find a job where they need it, um, uh, but also by choice of, of a lot of people. You know, I, I prefer to be a freelance designer than to be hired somewhere because then I can be wherever I want to be and take gigs as, as I need them to pay my bills. Um, so I think those those are the things that are currently uh, driving, driving that. Um, but then you have things like the environmental uh, um, issues of flying people around the world, or, um, or even budgetary things. Uh, a lot of companies just, you know, you start a new project um, um, and, you, and there's no budget for flying the project team together to have an in-person kickoff, mm. it has to happen virtually. Mm. Um, and a lot of these projects, when they're short-term and they, have, they don't have a big, um, uh, a big budget, they don't even ever meet as a, as a whole team. Um, so that's why I was saying it's, it's already a reality for, for a lot of people. Um, I think where it's new is that people are starting to be outside of the physical office environment. And, and that is something, an additional challenge for companies and for a lot of people that I don't think uh, a lot of, a lot of employees and a lot of companies are are yet to understanding whether what that actually means to have a lot of individual remote workers spread or, spread all over the globe
0: mm. and and what are some of the biggest challenges that you see um, in in that specific scenario for for companies mainly around having um, a lot of individuals spread across the crop Is it an adoption thing um, or you know what are some of the main challenges you find? provided that
1: people are willing to go that step because there's there's a lot of um, a lot of companies or or team leaders who are wary because of um, control issues like they they want to they they are they're afraid that they lose control of their team when they when they allow this sort of uh, freedom complete freedom Um, and you know we can go into into why that i think is illusionary but um Mm -hmm. let's accept for now that they are actually willing to take that step and then i think the biggest challenges are to um to maintain social connection between people so you actually get team cohesion do you get social cohesion within your team Team, so you can work together as a group, mm-hmm. as a team, and not just uh, be a bunch of individuals who contribute their share to a bigger thing, and then some manager has to take it to take it and, and put it together as a product, or you need uh, a big tool that coordinates things of of several people to make sure that it's a cohesive uh, end result. But if you if you're looking at um, tasks or or, um, um, projects that really need collaboration where you need to have people to work together um, because they need to be creative together because they might need to solve problems unexpected problems together Um, and you need real teams not just work groups who coordinate stuff with one another and to get those real teams, you need to have social cohesion. So people have to know each other rather rather well. You don't have to become best friends, but you, ha- you have to sort of know the context of the other person. Mm-hmm. So you understand when they're in a bad mood. It's not about you, but it's because maybe they're passing through a heat wave like you were you were sharing earlier. Um, and, you know, that's that's perfectly fine that they're in a bad mood because they haven't really slept well for three nights. But if you don't know that, if you don't know about their context, if you don't know them as a person, you might assume they, are, they have a problem with you and then you don't make it a, a topic, you don't talk about it, and all of a sudden becomes this huge issue, huge yep. misunderstanding. So I think those are the biggest challenges, the interpersonal um, the interpersonal relationship between team members, how to manage that, how to maintain a uh, healthy conflict and not <laughs> cool. get into unhealthy, unproductive conflict
0: so so you touched on something that's very important um in my ears i almost hear that you know like as 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 teams and not just you know uh, collaborating people around the world um i i found out you know as i work because i do consulting work and most of the time i'm sitting at a client and not mm-hmm. necessarily um within my office my you know uh, hq and over time over six you know eight months and and that kind of um, that kind of period of timelines, I find a huge disconnection between you know the rest of my team that's also working on other projects and other clients um, what are some of the mechanics or methods that you use um, to help teams sort of like create that alignment and still function and feel that they belong to a specific team and mm-hmm. don't feel like they've just been Put somewhere remotely, and they're working off an island. You know how do you how do you how do you solve that in 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 your situation? Right.
1: So I think it's worth before saying what you can actually do is worth saying two other things. One is that virtual work uh, promotes task focus. So what we do is we focus less and less on the relationship we have with the person, focus more and more on the task issue. So I think everybody or most people who have this sort of distributed work um environment have experienced these meetings where you you go on a call and then somebody will say so why are we here let's go let's let's focus on on what we get done so we can go to the next call because yeah. you know we all are it also one hour uh, every hour we have another meeting yeah. um so so it's quite natural just for us to focus more and more on tasks and we have to remind ourselves and be explicit about building relationships and focusing on relationships. Um, So that's one thing. Um, And then what can you actually do about it is, um, uh, for one, you you probably want for one you want to use the time you have with people the real time the real time time you have with people so when you're in in video calls or even only with audio together to build in um, moments where you can actually share um, on a different level than just um, then just did, did i get my tasks done or what challenges did i have with them um so what we what we do a lot in uh, what we promote a lot in trainings is that people start their meetings especially when it's standing teams that meet regularly you start your teams your meetings with a warm up or a check in where you share something about you know um um if people are moving around a lot you can have a round of where am i at right now um um what happened earlier in the day um how are you feeling right now because you know people might come into a meeting completely stressed and they'll just need a minute or two to to take a breather um, and aside from this social function it also has a technical benefit and that is when you make a round of everybody saying something you also check that everybody can hear and everybody can be heard Okay. which is also not always, the, you know, not always the case. So it has these two things that, that you, that you get done at the beginning of the meeting. You, you, you allow people to have a breather and to arrive, you share social stuff that is not about, um, you know, the spreadsheet that I've set up wasn't working in that or that way or the other way. Mm. And, um, and you're checking your your connection and your and your tech as well. Um, the second thing that that I would say you can do is to encourage people to connect with one another um, uh, whenever they can. So that can be through chat it can be through meetings it really depends a little bit on the culture of the team but to make sure that there's their regular connections the more frequent people interact with one another the more likely they're going to start talking also about other things and just work Um, it's like you know if you're co-located when you're in the same same building um, or in the same um physical space. You get together, uh, you arrive together at the office and you start chatting about um the weather or how your kids are, or, um, how, you know, the canteen is really, has really had bad food yesterday or whatever. Yeah. Um, when you meet, you know, the, the classical, There are less and less of those, but the smokers, there's a lot of socializing going on when they go have a smoking break, coffee breaks, etc. Uh, those are things that happen rather organically and naturally in a, in a, in a, uh, in a shared space, in a shared physical space, and they don't happen at all in a physical in a virtual space if you don't if you don't build them in. So you want to encourage um, interaction, communication as much as possible between individuals. Um, you want to encourage spaces in the normal meetings that you have as a group, so you start sharing socially. And the other thing you can do as a team leader is to make sure that you're not always the same people at work together. So if I have, I might have subgroups in my, in my team. So if my team is 12, 15 people, I have, I will, I tend to have subgroups who work on specific issues. Okay. Um, so you have the, if you are, if you're looking at a software team, you have the, um, the interface designers who usually tend to work together, you have the back-end people who tend to work together. And find ways of connecting them across these these little okay. subgroupings. Because they know each other well. They work together every day. They have to do their stuff together. Yeah. They usually also exchange, you know, more social things but the others don't. So find ways of making those connections. So breaking those
0: silos and they can start breaking those silos. Exactly. Exactly. exactly.
1: So I think those are three really practical things you can do. Um, Built in warm-ups into your meetings, one-on-ones and breaking the silos.
0: Okay. So what's sort of like the ideal setup for remote or virtual work? And how do you deal with time zones?
1: So I think that the first part is sort of the physical environment um and the and the actual gadgets that you're using um so i think it's really worthwhile having uh um depending on the work you do you have some space where you can have social interaction outside of the Tasks that you do especially when you're, when you're, uh, when your work doesn't really require you to communicate a lot with other people. So when you are hours and hours immersed into a problem on your own, you want to have a physical environment. I'm here in a co-working space for example, where you can have lunch with somebody where you see other people so you don't you know end up in the, in the isolation spiral. But you probably also want a space where you can work in a concentrated manner. Um, So you want to make sure that you have both of these. Um, um, I do that by working partly at home and working partly in a co-working space. So when I know I need to be shut off the world and I find, you know, I it means that i have to do it in the mornings because my kids are at home after school so there's no peace and quiet then (laughs) but um but in the mornings i can be at home and work and be concentrated because there's not going to be nobody disturbing me um and then depending on the times here i also have meeting rooms that i can lock myself into in this co working space um in terms of the gadgets and tools i think it's always good to have uh to have a headset Especially when you're working in um, in spaces where there's a lot of other noise around, um, it's really annoying to work with people to have to meet with a lot of people who don't have who, who use the, the the built-in microphone of their of their computer, and then you hear all the background noises and all sorts of other things. Um, it's very disturbing. And it also means that you don't hear so much of like, there's some people talking behind me. I don't know if yes. you can hear that. Just a definitely, um, yes. You, exactly, so I also only just hear it a little bit. I don't get distracted all the okay. time because somebody's, somebody's speaking. In terms of software, um, it really depends what you're doing. So okay. I think for, for teams, I would recommend you have a good, um, a good, um, um uh, meeting tool um, that really serves your purpose. So you want to figure out what do I need to do in meetings? If I need to do a lot of um, design sketchups, you want to have a tool that you can visualize that in, for example, and you can do that in real time as well. If you're writing documents together, you want to use something like a Google Doc or uh, OneDrive or something where you can do that as well. So it really depends, what is it that I need as a team? Where, what are the collaborative tasks that I have with other people? Even as a freelancer, do I work with, how do I work with, with my clients? Um, do I need to work with them? Um, so I coach a lot of, of people. So I need a good video, uh, video call system because I like doing coaching through video calls and not just audio. Um, so, I think what what drives your software decisions is what your needs are. Okay, um, and then in terms of skills. Um, there, the the biggest for me. That's the biggest difference between distributed and remote work. Because distributed work, you're still coming nine to five to your job, to your yeah. office. You have all the infrastructure that you need. They give you a desk and a chair and um, and a computer and etc. Which remote workers often have to provide for themselves. Um, and and so you, what that means is that you're you have to set up your own structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you, the structure and rhythm of your day is not determined by you have to be at the office at nine and you you have you leave between five and seven, mm-hmm. and then you have a you have a lunch break in between and and there's nothing around you in terms of other demands. Like when I'm working at home and my wife is at home and she sees I'm not on a call, she'll come and ask me something yeah. that won't happen if I'm at the office, right? And I've, I have to be able to set boundaries and say no, now I can't help you um in an hour i'm free and then we can talk or if it's a case say hey hang on a second i'll i'll have a break and we and and we solve whatever needs solving okay. um but i need to take these decisions all the time so it's really beneficial to have a certain structure where i know that at a certain um and a, and a rhythm through my to my day so a lot of people, what they do is they consciously get into office gear by putting on their office wor- uh, clothes so, and then yeah. they go into their office space, which is usually a room or something where they work. And while they're in there, they work. Hmm.
0: Um,
1: that doesn't work for everybody. Like I, I, I like to do a lot of work on my couch. Okay. So, but th- then I have to find other ways to be able to set boundaries and to make sure that uh, external demands don't completely ruin my, my workday. So, I, for me, that's the biggest skill that you have to develop is is self-organization.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and it has a very much, it has an emotional component, which is, which is can there, be quite difficult.
0: Is there a specific recipe that you you coach on or that you give people around how to set up this, this rhythm of the day, um, you know, just to help? Because it sounds like there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge component of, of self-discipline and sort of like mm. being able to have a lot of ownership around how you work um, that mm. is sort of like the characteristics of the typical entrepreneur uh, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be natural to a nine-to-five type of person let's say uh, so so how 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 would you what would you advise a person that that's coming from a nine-to-five world and want to get into this space, you know, just purely from uh, a behavioral um, approach, mm. what would what be like your biggest piece of advice? So the the,
1: the barrier to, to being more self-organized and being self-disciplined in that way can be from different sources. But I would always start at my environment and, the the habits that I develop so key habits can can sort of give a frame for my structure so if I have a, a habit of of planning my day in the morning for example some people prefer in the evening but for the sake of of example let's let's use that so I start my day by planning it and prioritizing what do I need to do today looking at my calendar etc so that's sort of the kickoff that gives me a um, a sort of a starting point. And then I might have, um, I might have uh, a lunch break that i that i consciously plan that is always at the same time or always around the same time as well and a few touch points in between where i check in with myself for example how am i doing am i still on uh, am i still following my plan or have uh, have some uh, stuff emerged that i needed to attend how do i da- adapt the rest of my day but also how do i feel uh, am i still up with energy do i need a break etc um and so those those Two habits, basically, planning your day and checking in with yourself. I think they are really they are really a good starting point to to create some sort of a rhythm into your day. Okay. And they are both both in a way about self awareness and self observation, um, which I think is a very crucial skill to to develop and to work on. If that doesn't help, the issue is likely a bit deeper um and and you know entrepreneurs are more aware of this but they don't necessarily have it figured out so a lot of i've a lot of i I myself have to have struggled with this and struggle with this from time to time and a lot of my clients do as well that you you get into these phases where for the sake of you you just can't be productive you end up being distracted all the time yeah, it can be because there's a lot of pressure. It can be because you know, or you need a break, or it, it can also be because you not have you don't have enough to do, and all the, all the things that you do need to do are sort of these things that That's are no important but not <laughs> urgent. <laughs> like yeah. like business development is often like that. Like um, you know, I, I should be writing people and and making connections but I'm not going to starve if I don't today. So I'll do it tomorrow, uh, right? Whereas when I have deadlines and clients are, are asking for my support and are running after me, I usually keep on track because I have, you know, I have some external uh, accountability there going on. But when it's all on to me, because it's all the stuff that I need to initiate and I need to make happen, it's easy to fall into this trap of saying, ah, I've worked so much in the last two weeks. Let me hit, you know, let me have a, a relaxed day. And then all of a sudden that relaxed day turns into a relaxed week. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> I see where um, exactly. No, I wanted to say that when it's, when, when it still doesn't work, even though you are trying to build that rhythm or when you can't get yourself to, to keep, Keep certain uh, certain habits or create certain habits. It's likely the issue is likely a little bit deeper. So it, then it, it goes around the beliefs you have, how you see the world, or the how how you see yourself in the world, uh, identity issues. So if you if you believe that you are somebody who is uh, a very introverted person who doesn't in, in, interact a lot with with other people and who is shy. Um, and there's no way you can overcome that, it's really hard for you to get into gear to do sales work, for example, mm. right? Because mm. then you have to interact with people, and you have yeah, to go exactly. out. And, and so you might need to work on those identity issues in a different way than just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to force myself through it, to, to do it um, yeah. because that's just going to be really exhausting and likely not going to lead to any result. Yeah.
0: It, it will happen in a short burst and you'll, you'll stop doing it at some point because exactly. it's not, you haven't dealt with the exactly. actual problem. Exactly. Where do people find you, the work that you're doing and where can people learn more about, uh, about remote work?
1: Um, so where do they find me? Um, I'm, I think the most active, uh, platform I am is, is on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so connecting with me there, following me there, I like to have a lot of um, individual conversations as well, so I'm very open if you you know send me a message and I'll respond um, um, I do I, what I do offer is you know as I said initially there's two things one is 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 focused more on individual work is how do you organize yourself, how do you get yourself into the realm of possibilities, in the sense of you know, what can I create with a new way of working? What can I create with um, taking advantage of the freedom that remote work or flexible work allow- offers me as an individual worker, but also as a, um, but also as an entrepreneur or freelancer. And the second thing, um, and that is um, um, a consulting network I have together with a few other people is called Radical Inclusion. And we offer uh, training, team development, and strategy support for um, companies who work in a distributed way, distributed teams themselves, um, but also companies who want to go more remote. And so radical-inclusion.com would be the website for that. Okay. Um, And LinkedIn, my handle is s-dorn s-d o h r n. Okay. Cool. Um, and then, generally, on remote work, there are a couple of certification courses that you can take if you're really new to this. They are really a more on the practical things side of things. So it would be things like how do you set up your office, how do you become productive, etc. So there's one that is uh, from Remote How, um, RemoteHow.com, I think, okay. and the other one is Workplaceless. Um, I think those are really good starting points. And on the more emotional stuff, um, so how do you how do you prepare yourself to deal with sort of um, the loneliness issues that that come up for a lot of people? How do you prepare yourself to deal with the stress and create the boundaries um, without you know burning out? that's actually some of the things that I work with, with individual clients. Um, And I'm not aware that there is anybody specifically, you know, writing about it or, or working on it on in a, other than a one-on-one way that I, that I do. Um, But if anybody knows on, I'd I'd love to connect because I really believe in, in building this thing as a, uh, as a collaborative and not as a, Uh, competitive sphere. Encourage people to to go for it. Um, There's a lot of people who I connect with who write me, I'd love to go remote, but I don't really know, etc. And I think the biggest hurdle for most people is the fear of it not going right. Um, And um, if you do have the energy, start a remote side hustle. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be something that consumes a lot of your time, but it might grow into something bigger and you might surprise yourself and become a freelancer or entrepreneur who all of a sudden has that location and and time freedom that, that you've been dreaming about.
0: Cool. Awesome thank you so much stefan for thank all you the, the, the wealth of knowledge around around remote work um i i really hope that it um, adds a lot of value to people who are trying to set up remote teams and also get into remote or distributed work themselves
1: thank you for inviting me it was great
0: talking it was great chatting to you thank you so much listening to another episode of not a ux designer my name is verma henry and if you're looking for me you can check out the links in the description below um or wherever your show notes might be wherever you're listening to your podcast Uh, you can also find stefan's links in the description or in the show notes uh if you want to see what it does and maybe you know engage with him around remote working and really having the conversation around how to do it better and more effective uh thank you so much for listening and please do join the conversation on the design sprint essay groups on facebook or on linkedin that's where we really have the conversation around design sprints in south africa if you would like to be part of that conversation and please if you have not already please do consider subscribing to the podcast so that you can receive the weekly um, update of every podcast that i put out every week